Welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland Athletics and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Janie Hu, the Chronicles assistant sports editor, and I'm joined today by our A's beat writer, Susan Slusser. Susan, it's a really exciting day for me uh, in the Chronicle newsroom um, because we're finally getting to kick off what we've discussed for pretty much the virtually, I would say, actually, I would say the entire off season, but really, it's real since we started even talking about live streams and such, um, we are finally hosting our first A's podcast solely dedicated to Oakland, the Oakland Athletics. I am so excited about A's Plus. Um, A's fans have been asking about when the Chronicle is going to bring back an A's podcast. Uh, for a long time, we used to have one gosh, 10, 15 years ago, uh, and, and it was a blast. It kind of went away. I think we, we were uh, a little bit of ahead of the rest of the world in, in realizing how great podcasts were, and now everybody's finally caught up to us. So, so here we are back with an A's podcast. Um, and I'm really excited because covering the A's for the San Francisco Chronicle. You know, as you know, Janie, sometimes I feel like the A's, <laughs> you know, take a little bit of a, a step behind the the Giants because we are the San Francisco Chronicle. But uh, the, the A's are kind of the scrappy underdog of the Bay Area. I think this podcast needs to be the scrappy underdog of the Chronicle Sports Department podcast. I want to make this the number one podcast in the sports department. All right. So Susan has now laid down the challenge. Everyone that's listening, give us a follow as soon as it's on iTunes or we push it out. She wants more listeners here than on our Giants and Warriors podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to, I always keep a sharp eye on the newspaper to make sure that, you know, the A's coverage in the Chronicle is sort of kept on the same level as the Giants, the same placement of the stories. Let's do that with this podcast and show my editors that the, there's a real demand for A's coverage and A's content. Right. Well, what we thought we'd do uh, in this in this first podcast is just kind of give our listeners a lay of the land and how we want to structure it and, and what they can look forward to listening. Um, the idea in our dream of dreams is to do this on a weekly basis um, with Susan when she's home, uh, uh, on homestands, or even on the road, because it's just you, you guys get such great unparalleled access. Yeah, and the A's are always such a fun team to cover. I always say that they're the most interesting team in pro sports. I might be biased since it's my obviously it's my job, but uh, there isn't a day that goes by where I they, I don't find something interesting in the way the team is run or the way the team is playing or some of the players. They're always colorful. Uh, starting even back in the Philadelphia days um, under Connie Mack. It was just a cast of characters then. It's continued right on till now. So it's kind of a dream team for podcasting because there's always plenty to talk about and there's always plenty of really interesting people to talk to. Uh, so I think we want to convey that, bring you lots of interviews and maybe some fun little segments um, because, you know, ba the baseball players are just like everybody else. They've got outside interests and things that they, they do and I kind of want to highlight some of those things. In the podcast, I, th I think it could be um, really different and unusual in a way to kind of get to know the players more as people. Right. Um, it's uh, it, the best stories. Um, you know, we, we always see the athletes as yeah, they, they're so easily judged on their numbers. And, you know, I think one of the best examples was uh, you just wrote such a touching story about Stephen Piscotti and everything that him and his family is going through um, trying to take care of her, uh, his mother uh, who's struggling with um, ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. And I think that that kind of 
insight into the life that these guys also have off the field um, is is really what we're trying to do here. Absolutely, uh, that's and that's my favorite thing about you know covering sports, um, really anything. As a as a reporter, you get to know people as people, and you rem- you remember everybody's really the the same. It doesn't matter what your income level is or you know your uh, your fate level of fame. Uh, everybody still is dealing with the same things. And I'm glad you brought up the Stephen Piscotty story um, because he's new to the A's, but he's local. Yeah. Obviously, he's from Pleasanton and he played at Stanford. Sorry, Janie, Janie's Cal. Cal, I'm Stanford. Go Bears. <laughs> well, uh, finally, we've got two Stanford players back again with, with Jed Lowry and Stephen Piscotty. Uh, but uh, it's such, such a tough thing the Piscotty family is struggling with. Uh, Gretchen Piscotty, uh, the Piscotty's mother, there are three Piscotty's boys. She was diagnosed last May with ALS, and the disease has progressed um, more quickly than the doctors had hoped were even expected and um it's it's you know it's a rough go and they're trying to make everything just as normal with their family life as possible and they're not saying they're they're doing everything they usually do and it's just amazing to see that's uh, i found it really uplifting um going over and talking to them really inspiring uh gretchen Piscotti's just she's kept her sense of humor she's very funny uh, and they're just, you know, they're just normal people dealing with an awful situation uh, in, in the best way that they can and doing an amazing job. So that story I felt really special and um, fortunate to be able to to tell their story and um, so grateful that they led us into their house. Carlos Avila Gonzalez, our wonderful photographer, took, took some great photos uh, and they were so gracious to let us come in and do that. Right. And I think, you know, we're, we'll, we're going to obviously focus on the A's um, and also how it fits into the uh, the larger MLB picture. Um, one of the things about the Piscotti's trade that I think also uh, stood out was that it really did seem like his team, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, it, it seemed like a rare, I don't, I don't, maybe you can give more insight on this if it's a rare occasion, but um, obviously they made the trade for both teams made the trade for baseball reasons, but it just seemed a little bit rare in this day and age that they, they both said that, yeah, if we can make this work and a situation where we can help bring him closer to home too, we're going to do everything we can to, to make that happen. Yeah. I I think the Cardinals basically said, um, yes, this was business first. It made sense for us. You know, they'd acquired some other outfielders during the, during the winter and, um, but they, they felt like, you know, there's 20 other ni- 29 other teams they could have sent him to, um, or, well, really 28, but they said that we'd like to send him someplace in the Bay Area, so A's or Giants, mm-hmm. specifically to get him home. And the A's were just such a perfect match since they needed an outfielder and wanted to move Chris Davis to the DH spot. I, you know, just thinking about it, it it's really rare. I can't, I certainly haven't covered a team, I don't think, that has, done, that has made a transaction specifically for sort of humanitarian reasons. Um, now, this this was baseball reasons, but um, it's so unusual. And as Billy Bean said, when the when the trade actually happened, uh, that this is why the Cardinals are one of the classiest teams in pro sports. They, they, and they are. It's it's really amazing. Right. Um, so going back, you had mentioned at the start of this that we maybe were a little bit too far ahead of the game with our our, our, our podcast the first go around. I remember this was back when I was covering the Warriors and I, we'd come in and we would record with our editor uh, downstairs in the basement here. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now this is the the next level. But my point being, though, it, it, it's you've seen a lot in your years uh, in Oakland. And for those uh, readers that might not know um, about your history covering baseball and other sports, can you give them a little sense of, of 
where you're coming from. Yeah, well, this is my 20th year covering the A's. So, um, the, but not not my. Uh, I'm not a rookie, really, when it comes to baseball. Even considering that, I covered um, basically 30 years worth of baseball, almost between the Sacramento Bee and the Dallas Morning News, and now at the Chronicle. Um, with a couple years in the NBA, I covered the Kings uh, in Sacramento. And the, the Orlando Magic, uh, the, the year they went to the finals with Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway, I uh, covered them for the Orlando Sentinel, which was an absolute blast. I loved everything about that job except for being in Florida <laughs> and away from California. <laughs> uh, so I was uh, kind of worked my way back with going to Texas after that and covering the Rangers for two years. Um, so I've, I've kind of done it all. I mean, I, I started probably like you did covering high schools and everything, you know, rowing, rodeo, motorcycles, bicycling, anything you can think of. I, I've probably covered it, boxing um, and um, UC Davis, which is where I met my husband, Dan Brown, from the competition, the San Jose Mercury News. So uh, sports writing has been very good to me, but I did a lot of radio in college. I was the play-by-play person for Stanford football and baseball for um, throughout my time there, including uh, when Stanford won the World Series two years in a row in 87 and 88. So radio and sort of by extension, podcasting is near and dear to my heart. I absolutely love it. I had kind of uh, always wanted to do a, have a job as a major league play-by-play announcer. So um, it didn't, in 1988, when I came out of college, I don't think that they were looking for women to, to be play-by-play announcers. Uh, so I, and I had a job offer already at the Sacramento Bee. So I took that, but you know, I kind of, there's a little what if on that. So the podcast, I'll, I'll be going to focus on the podcast. Janie. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, was it always baseball, like as the number one sport? Yeah, baseball was always my number one love. I, I, I really enjoyed covering the NBA. It's fun. But um, as as in terms of a right, just the writing perspective, it's yeah. I didn't get feel like I got as much out of it. As you know, sometimes uh, NBA games are either a blowout or they come down to the last couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. So b- blowouts are tough to write because it's a blowout and the last couple minutes that's a tough right because you know you're kind of trying to cram everything into just that and it gets a little samey yeah. uh, there are also so many off days in the nba you wind up writing a lot and there's very few guys as you know you, you wind yeah, up writing sort people. of yep. yeah you wind up sort of sort of writing a lot of the same off day stories over and over so and the travel's brutal so yeah, yeah i prefer baseball baseball yeah. I'm, a, I'm a baseball fan. as you know i love hockey a lot and i, I do cover hockey from for the chronicle when i can but um, hockey's my, um, sort of my entertainment love and baseball f- in terms of working and writing. Um, and it's really my first love. Right. Susan and I have debated the, uh, which, which schedule we think is more difficult, the NBA or major league baseball. And really the best answer is that they're both brutal. Schedules. They're both pretty <laughs> brutal. Yeah. Baseball is obviously longer and there's more games, but you can at least unpack in the different cities. Yeah. And the thing I found really frustrating in the NBA, first of all, it's winter travel. So it's, nonstop canceled flights and delayed flights and planes full of sick people. Um, but you'll get to a city and then if they're playing somebody else the next day, you can be in, in town and not even see all your friends that are there. You can't even, yeah. you might not even have time to have lunch with your friend in Portland because you're there for one day. So I found that very frustrating. That never happens in baseball. No, it's nice. You guys get to, and I think what I said is like unpack a suitcase. Mm-hmm. You're there for three days or four days. And for us, if I'm on a road trip for a week, I'm in three or four different cities and yeah. it's that constant get up and go. Get, get up, up and, and go. go. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Yeah. Well, it's uh, now that uh, that 
Bay, the Bay Area's home <laughs> uh, for both of us. Um, you know, we'll bring it. We'll bring this back around to the A's and. Um, Spring trainings. Uh, wow! Now we're only about two weeks away. Two weeks. Um, you're yeah. you're heading off, and it just the on the fourteenth. Yes, I, I have a um, sneaking suspicion that Billy Bean has always made pitchers and catchers reporting date February fourteenth is like kind of a like ha ha you're gonna miss Valentine's Day. But yeah, it's I think sort of eight out of the last ten years it's been February fourteenth, and this year it actually probably should have been a little earlier. So I'm not going to complain because um, opening day is earlier this year. Uh, the mm-hmm. spring training is a little bit shorter there uh, under the new collective bargaining bargaining agreement. There are five uh, additional, I think five, uh, certainly more off days during the regular season. So they cut back spring training a little bit and um, moved up opening day. So, um, but you no, know, it's still February 14th, even though it probably should have been more like February 12th or something. But hey, that's fine. I'm not going to complain that it's going to be shorter. Right, exactly. Um, We're going to uh, talk more in depth about spring training. Um, What we're going to try to do is uh, get a roundtable going. Um, Susan, um, representing the A side, will bring um, Henry Shulman in for the Giants. Um, We'll see if John Shea is available, our national baseball writer. And so in our next uh, segment, I think we're going to do a special and really kind of break down what fans should look forward to heading into spring training. Fantastic. Um, For now, I just, you know, the the last couple of things that I'll I'll touch on um, is uh, the, I think you were about as excited as I've seen um, taking the tour of the new A's headquarters and I know ever since they've you know brought in Dave and, and and all the things that they've tried to do for fans with the food trucks and initiatives and new mottos um this kind of splashy new A's headquarters kind of really you took notice of that yeah you know they, for the A's having um like really nice new offices um and very you know it's gleaming it's all very sort of tech it lo- they look like a the A's new offices at Jack London Square it looks like a tech startup you know, it's they've got a cafeteria, a really fancy cafeteria. They've got beautiful views of the estuary and Alameda. And, um, you know, it's it's open plan workspaces with adjustable desks. A lot of people with their standing desks. Janie, I know you would like that. Uh, and a batting cage and a full workout room, um, you know, complete, completely uh, furnished gym workout space. It's 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 spectacular. And having covered the A's for so long. Um, I'm so used to everything being, you know, kind of at the Coliseum run down or crammed into a space it's not meant for or, you know, kind of dark and dingy. And, uh, you know, the, it's not through the A's fault, really nobody's fault. But, you know, the, the, it's, it's an old building that is n- kind of not going to have the best and the brightest and the most modern of everything. The, these new offices really do. It's, it, it's hard to square with with the Oakland A's, but you know, the A's spring training site is a lot like this, right? Everything's new and the best of the best and all of that. So you can kind of see where things are going if they ever do get a stadium. And I should, I should emphasize that we will keep uh, close tabs on the whole stadium on this podcast. We'll talk a lot about the latest developments and anything happening with the stadium, but the going to those offices, you go like, wow, if they, if, and when they get a new spot, they're going to do it right. I mean, it will be, off the charts great I, I fully expect it's just going to be a matter of where and when well the questions that are on everybody's mind um you were at fan fest uh last week and 
I, I give it to Ace fans um, that, 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 that they're in the know and they asked some pretty pointed questions um, about player turnover, low payroll. What was your sense out of um, kind of the grilling that the fans were, <laughs> were giving the higher ups? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, uh, people are frustrated and the team in the last year has really noticed the frustration with the high turnover rate. Right. Um, fans, including season ticket holders, are really starting to say, like, I can't even buy a jersey because my favorite player is going to get traded as soon as he has a good season. Uh, and Billy Beans addressed that. Last summer was the first time I can remember in covering him that he said specifically, we are going to start trying to retain some of these players long term. Now, they have they have in past you know, far, far past years, signed some guys here and there to longer term deals. But I think especially with this good young core, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, um, you know, some of the pitchers, um, AJ Puck, people like that, when they come up, they want to get some good cost control and probably get some years of contract beyond their free agency years. So I think we could start to see that happen here within the next year or two. They actually made Marcus Simeon a nice um, long-term deal last offseason. It just didn't wind up working out. Um, but it, it, I think that at least they made a good faith attempt. So I think we're going to start seeing a turn. But yes, the fans were pretty forthright. It makes me laugh. I, Billy has been getting questions kind of like this for a long time during Fan Fest. Maybe not quite as many and maybe not quite as pointed, but I, you remember this from your days as a beat writer, Janie, but you know, I'll get emails or tweets of people saying like, you guys don't ask the tough questions. No, these are the questions we do ask. We just don't have we're getting the same answers that the fans are when they're asking <laughs> right. them. We don't have any control over how they respond to the questions. They're just going to say like, oh, well, you know, we've got circumstances with a low payroll and our re low revenues and blah, blah, we can't spend, we we don't want to overspend. That Those kind of, yeah, it's not, usually typically people reading stories don't know the questions that were asked. That's how it works. So um, right. we are asking them. Right. Just well, maybe not getting the answers that you would like. And in that story, I remember uh, one of the quotes that stood out was um, uh, Billy Bean saying, yeah, I'm running out of time to figure out these answers, too. This is my 21st year. Yeah. You know, yeah. He wants to win as much as anybody. Yeah. And I think that that kind of gets lost. People with the organization, um, but particularly up top, they're making these moves with an idea of win. They're very competitive people. They want to win, and they came close so many times, especially getting, you know, the, the inability to get out of the first round. I think it's starting to really chafe over there. So, I, yeah, they would like to um, turn things around also. Right. Uh, Chris Davis, most underrated player possibly in the Bay Area? Wow, he certainly goes under the radar nationally too. You know, that part of the problem is there's another Chris Davis who also hits a lot of home runs. So I think people sometimes get them confused or maybe only think there's one of them. <laughs> but he's hit 85 home runs for the A's in the last two years. Um, and he's also, you know, he's a terrific, he's kind of a quirky, um, different kind of guy, uh, just really an interesting personality. His teammates love him. I think he should have a more high profile, but he doesn't care about it. But that's what I was going to say. He, yeah. he wants to kind of fly under I the think, radar. Yeah, he just said, you know, last year with the home, home run derby, this is a good example. He said a good week and a half before it was named, I don't want to be on it. He didn't even want it to be a possibility. Um, I think partly because a lot of guys go and they find that maybe their swing gets a little out of whack. Um, I th I'm sure that was partly on his mind. But I think he also just does not care about high-profile stuff. He doesn't, you know, like, okay, maybe that'll get me a shoe endorsement. I don't care about that. I would rather have the time with my family and not be in the spotlight and not mess up my swing, which, he, you know, he took a little flack for it. But, you know, all those reasons the regular season makes a is a, a lot more uh, important than the home run derby. So 
good for him right and i think one thing that we just learned with athletes too is that it 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 is really cool to see them just stay who they are as well if if hey if that's not his deal and cool then we'll move along and you know it doesn't always happen like that yeah 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 but i mean he he can keep doing what he does and it's uh you know he stayed he stayed kind of true to that as as far as what i've seen so far yeah he definitely dances to his own drummer you know his own beat he is he's an unusual guy um you know kind of very quiet a lot of the time, but when he does talk, man, he is super funny, just quirky, different. I, I, I think everybody that um, has gotten to know him really likes him because uh, he's he's just sort of different and he revels in it. Right. So uh, the la- one of my, let's make this the last question I leave you off with is, um, you know, we talked about Davis. He's, he's kind of uh, a lower key, quirky guy. Um, we've got youngsters coming up, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman. They obviously, they traded away a lot of their veteran leadership, Stephen Vogt, Sonny Gray. Who do you see as kind of the, the clubhouse leaders? Well, uh, when we asked Bud, Bob Melvin that, um, he, he often points to Jed Lowry. Um, who the A's had an option on for this year, and they picked it up really quickly. had a nice season, probably really the best all-around season for the A's. Um, He's not even that old. I mean, early 30s. But for the A's, that's starting to get pretty old. Um, And a Stanford guy. Um, But uh, I did not know this. Melvin mentioned the other day that Jed has really become the guy that the young hitters in particular go to Hmm. for advice and help, and he's really welcomed it. So he's definitely one, Marcus Simeon, partly because he's a shortstop. He's also quiet and, uh, and Cal guy. So yet it's the Stanford and Cal guys who are the okay. leaders, Janie. Um, but, um, you know, some of the pitchers, Kendall Graveman, I, I think, is probably on the pitching staff because he's been an opening day starter. He's um, the sort of the number one pitcher, for want of a lack of a better term. And, uh, you know, I, I think they'll kind of find it. But the, of the young guys, I think Matt Chapman really has that ability and will probably – kind of become that team leader fairly quickly, mm-hmm. including this year. He's he's fiery. He's funny. Um, he doesn't back down from anything. Uh, he was the one that kind of got when, uh, you know, with kind of tiffs with other teams last year. He was the one that stepped forward. I think everybody respects him. So uh, and so many of them have played with him at every level, and he was the leader of those teams at those different levels, along with Ryan Healy, of course, who's certain since been traded, and Chad Pinder, who's still there. So I think they've sort of got a little bit of a leadership um, thing going on with that younger group that's already developed. Right, and you mentioned Matt Chapman. I don't know if uh, if folks got to see this actually in action, but as part of the pre-FanFest media availability, they had this uh, fashion show, and he was kind of in there. That, that's his personality, hamming it up and, and working the crowd. And Yeah, he loved it. You know, it's kind of a shift. We didn't really see that much personality from him in spring training the last couple of years when, you know, before he came up. And then even when he got called up last year, it's kind of quiet, kind of, you know, kind of, I think just kind of wasn't comfortable yet showing his personality. That personality is really starting to come out. And yeah, he dug that fashion show. He absolutely loved it. And Bob Melvin said something like, the, like, oh, well, Matt probably thinks he could have another career. And, he, and I asked Chapman <laughs> about it. He's like, yeah, I could have a lot of different careers. Like I, like all of these things I could do, no problem. So yeah, he's he's brash. He reminds me a little bit of Josh Donaldson personality-wise and also playing third base with his ability there. So uh, kind of similar. That sounds great. Uh, well, that's a lot of uh, good stuff to look forward to. I hope uh, we've given our listeners kind of a lay of the land of what we would like this to be. Um, we will jump headfirst. I'm 
I'm trying to actually, they can't see me. I'm doing these weird motions here. Yeah. She's uh, jumping. <laughs> she's jumping. But into the heavy baseball analysis, more of that uh, next week. Um, is there anything else uh, that you want to say? Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to this. Um, John Shea, I think, will be joining this podcast occasionally if I'm um, not on a road trip or if, I, you know, if I've got other duties. And he's also knows everything there is to know about Bay Area baseball, including the A's. So I think uh, we're all going to have a lot of fun with us. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, the roster might turn over, but we have had this, uh, you know, Susan here, John here. Uh, this, I, I'm really excited because we have such the breadth of, like you guys have seen it through the decades. That's right. And yeah, the Chronicle baseball team. We've, we've, I think we've got 100 plus years of baseball experience. So yes, we, we have seen it all. All right. Well, join us here uh, next time. And thanks for listening. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. The show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more A's coverage, you can follow Susan on Twitter at Susan Slusser, S-U-S-A-N-S-L-U-S-S-E-R, and me at Janie Hu, J-A-N-N-Y underscore H-U. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com.